Phillies fans, Ryan Aho here, the one and only Burt Lehman, trying to, looks like, cheer on his brewers today. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Got Coach Krause in here. We're talking a little baseball. Not a huge baseball guy, but a Minnesota sports guy, and the Twins finally broke the streak. So, hallelujah to that. So, how are you guys doing this week? Doing good. Yeah, not all too bad. Good to be back, and uh, like you said, it's um, I had to I had to catch myself. The Twins finally broke that streak. Us Minnesota fans don't know what it's like to win in the playoffs, let alone get to the playoffs um, and get it. So big win for them. Really, that's actually a huge, huge win for them. Um, so hopefully they can get it wrapped up tomorrow and keep moving on. That would be good. I, you know, I I got to be honest with you. I don't think I've watched a full Twins game in like a decade. I really don't. And I watched most of this one, but uh, the electricity in that place, right? I mean, it was just electric. It was kind of like being at the Viking Speedway when uh, Krause was ready to yard sale somebody in the front straightaway or something. Kind of reminded me of that. I'm not really sure, but it, it was definitely good stuff. So episode 197, and guys, you know, brought to you by, we'll get to this first, Impact Health Sharing. That time of year. If you're self-employed, farmer, um, business owner, if you pay for your own health care, you pay for employees, we might have a solution for you. One thing I hear is, man, we're just paying way too much for health care. I mean, literally paying thousands of dollars, and we might be able to help people save a ton of money. So give me a call, 218-969-1380. And I'll see if I can get you a quick quote and get you some information. That's Impact Health Sharing, a great alternative to the rising cost of overpriced health insurance. But let's start with some positive stuff, right? Everybody says, you guys are negative all the time. All you do is bitch, you're negative. I, I got I to be honest, got to give a tip of the cap, right? Bert, we talk about this all, all the time tracks not working together scheduling on top of each other it's like our biggest pet peeve in the whole world right well as we all know a couple weeks back the mater memorial and the punky both rained out well the mater rained out once and then they rescheduled it rained out again now they rescheduled it again and it was kind of a big deal it's like man now they're putting it on top of the can-am clash up in superior well I talked to Joe Staria, Joe Staria um, from the Gondekloss Speedway, Chris Steppen from FYE Motorsports. They talked together and they said, look, you know, these are two big events down in Menominee. Let's just go ahead, cancel the Can-Am Clash and not race against them. And I, I got to be honest with you, they didn't have to do that. I mean, chances are probably going to be snow on the ground in Superior anyway, but that's a great example of tracks and promoters working together. So I'm going to give a tip of the cap right there. Guys, your thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. I mean, it, it it's nice to see tracks working together. It's something that uh, we don't, uh, unfortunately, we don't always see. Uh, and, you know, I'm glad that they recognize the importance of, of those two events to re- the Red Cedar Speedway. And, uh, you know, I applaud them for, for making that move. Yeah, for sure. I think the big thing is that the fans win on this one, too. I think um, you want to see all the fast cars at that race. It's a really good paying race. Um, I know uh, I, I talked to Ryan Michelson today, 
um, who had planned on going to the Can-Am. Now he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go over to the Red Cedar and give that thing a whirl too. So um, the way he's been running, you never know what can happen. So real good person. Um, big thing is it's you want to see all the fast cars there racing for that. And obviously um, supporting a great family. Um, and hopefully that's a good turnout. And it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a really good race. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I got to be honest, we give one of them guys enough grief. I give them a lot of grief. So we also give you a shout out when you're doing some good things. So there is that. So let's go to top five moments of the week. There's some pretty good stuff that happened this past week. Of course, brought to you by our friends over at Daytona One Performance Lubricants. And uh, one thing we're passionate about, we all know, we know the cost of everything, right? I freaking went to the grocery store. Holy crap, right? I mean, everything's just blowing up on prices. Racing is not alone in that, right? Everything's gone through the roof. Well, Daytona One Performance Lubricants, they're passionate about helping reduce that cost. How do you do that? Well, make tires last longer. They have a treatment to help you do that. So I'm not going to claim to be the expert on this, but I recommend if you're somebody in the rules-making process, if you're a promoter, if you're a driver, get informed on this. It's proven. It works with the Gen X late models have great results. Talk to some of them drivers, talk to people at I-94, but give Chad a call 507-828-3536 and learn about the different tire treatment products that they have that can help your race program keep some money uh, in your pocket rather than giving it all to Hoosier. So <clears throat> number five, guys, it's kind of a big one. National Seed, Dirt Late Models. The final four is locked in. It is set in stone. So, of course, there was a couple uh, Lucas Oil races this past weekend at Raceway 7. No Jeff, right? Not not Krause, but our other Jeff. He called it Highway 7. It's not Highway 7. That's a road over on the Iron Range that we know about. It's Raceway 7. And uh, the Pittsburgher, and just, I mean, just like always, RTJ flat out dominating, right? He doubles up again. But, guys, <clears throat> into the final four, RTJ. Hudson O'Neill, two of the top three drivers in 2023 dirt late models. This guy that maybe won a race or two, right? Kind of won a big race or two at Eldora last year, Jonathan Davenport, maybe the sleeper in this whole deal. Um, and he's been kind of sporty as of late. Devin Moran locking up that number four spot. T-Mac, two-time defending um, Lucas Oil champion. He's out. He's not in the final four. Brandon Overton was in the final four. Talk about that in a second. Fell out of the final four. So, <clears throat> your guys' thoughts. Any thoughts on uh, the Lucas Oil races over the past weekend, or should we just jump right into a little talk on points here? Uh, well, I mean, just one comment about the races, especially the Pittsburgher. Um, I mean, Davenport led a good, led led quite a bit of the race. Uh, but then RTJ took the lead, and they actually battled back and forth. But then uh, Davenport got into the wall. Um, but you know, it, you know, it's got to be frustrating for Davenport because you know he's used to being the other guy, where you know everybody's scrambling to catch him, and he's just struggling to keep up with RTJ. And you know, like I said, it's got to be frustrating for him. Yeah, RTJ led. Davenport actually passed him for the lead. I'm like, wow, he's back. And then all of a sudden, the afterburners come on the 20 RT and goes right by him. And you could tell that Davenport, he was overdriving the car trying to keep up. And that didn't work out very good. So <clears throat> I have a question for you guys. So 
fan question. This one comes from Jeff. He says, with the final four coming up, there's one weekend left in Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Racing, and the champion's going to be decided with whoever finished the, finishes the best out of these four drivers is the champion. Guys, it's 200000 to win the points, 150000 per second, 125 for third, 100000 for fourth. It's 100000 to win the race. So if one of these drivers wins that race, it's $300,000, okay? His question was, if you had to rank them in or, in your guys' order of who, who your favorite to win this race would be or championship would be, all the way down to, like, the least likely of the four, what would be your order? Bert, why don't you go ahead, and then we'll go to Jeff, and then I'll give my thoughts. All right, well, you're killing me for later in the show, but okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, looking at it, I've always, with this format, I always thought if, if JD, if Superman gets into it, he's going to be the favorite. Um, so I'm going to say JD, um, then Hudson O'Neill, then RTJ, and then Moran. That's exactly what Jeff's for was exactly like that. I think you two conspired and talked about this before. Kraus, what's yours? I think it's um, <clears throat> I think it's right where it's at right now, one through four. I just I'm going with where they're at during the season. Um, I'm not taking the fact that JD's been testing and tuning for the last two months, waiting for this last race. Um, and we all know how he runs at Eldora, but. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be super tough to beat the 20 or the, or the uh, especially if there's a little bit of cushion, a little something there up by the wall. Huddy's going to win the thing. I'm telling you that right now because Thornton, Thornton and Davenport can't, um, they can, but they can't run that wall like like uh, Huddy can. So that'd be my only flip. I'd put Huddy one maybe, but I'm going to stick with the one through four and uh, you know, putting it, I'm putting the uh, ball in his court. He's the hot guy right now. It's it's his race to lose. That's the 20 RT. You know, and, and I'm going to go kind of a hybrid of that, right? I'm going to go JD1, RTJ2, Huddy3, Moran4. Um, RTJ clearly with the momentum, right? I mean, he's having a big, big year. Jonathan Davenport has won, I mean, at, on the highest stages, right? He's won big races at Eldora. Could Moran, I mean, he's been pretty good here the last month. Would it be a huge shock to see him lock this up? And and out of all the four drivers that are in this, which one would get the biggest absolute eruption if they won this race? Would anybody get a bigger cheer than maybe uh, Devin Moran in the home state of Ohio? Probably not, no. <laughs> so here's another thing, right? So, Carlos, did you look up how many points right now is RTJ ahead of second? Did you look that up? Yeah, I was like 590, 500, yeah. 590, I believe, is what it is. It's and, be and, interesting. And it's a he's a thousand points ahead of four. <laughs> it's I can tell you right now, one of my bold predictions early in the year was RTJ. Whoever's leading the points going into it's not gonna win the race. That was one of my bold predictions. Man, I can't even imagine a world. Now, on the last race, I think Bert, you I think you texted in the comments. They, they talked, the Lucas Oil, I think it was Essex up there with Scott yeah. Coleman. Scott Coleman, the general manager of Big River Steel, okay? That's that's who Scott Coleman is. He's actually, he, he worked for U.S. Steel for years, and he was actually up on the Iron Range. He sponsored Daryl Nelson. He 
my, my dad worked with them at the mines, right? So we, we got to know Scott a little bit. They were kind of like tiptoeing around this. Like, uh, Bert, what were some of the comments that, that you heard on that deal? They were well, I mean, like, like I said, I, I think Lucas is trying to soften the bad PR they're going to get if RTJ doesn't win this championship. Uh, because I don't know how many times they said on the broadcast that um, um, all the drivers and, and, and team owners agreed to this to this point system before the season started. They kept hammering that fact. And, um, you know, then, like you said, they had the interview and, uh, you know, and then Essex even made the comment, you know, nobody envisioned that RTJ was going to have a season like he's having, you know, so they they. I, I think they they feel they're going to get some blowback if RTJ doesn't win that championship. Oh, they will. They will. Well, I guess we'll, we'll find out. It'll be interesting to see. So number four, uh, Krause, you got to watch this race as well as I. I, I think maybe Burt did too. But the inaugural Gopher State Showdown at the I-94 Speedway, Fergus Falls, Minnesota, who was the big winner there in the late model division? Uh, the, um, well, I like him cause his car's red and white, right? Uh, Mr. Danny Vang. I've, 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 I met the guy once. I don't, I haven't really, uh, I haven't really met him. I know, I think he ran super for a while. Did he not? I think or maybe, he ran a mod. Okay. Um, but he, you know, he was around there a little bit. And, um, like I said, I've always watched him cause his car's red and white. And that's, that's the reason why he won, Ryan. It's red and white. It's not yellow and blue. So, um, so it was, it was a good race, really good race. I really thought, um, Really thought Don Shaw was going to get her done. You know, you've been knocking on him, putting him on the not hot list for weeks and weeks and weeks. And um, he was looking good. And it looked like, um, and again, I talked to um, the 15 star here again this week. I asked him if it, did it, you know, did it start latching down? Did it rubber a little bit? And he said maybe just a little bit over in the bottom of one and two. But other than that, it was still pretty skatey and, and still pretty loose coming off. So uh, it was a good race. Um, Danny Vang ran down Don Shaw. Um, Don Shaw kind of jumped the cushion and I think he wrecked some spoilers and wrecked some stuff. And then, um, the Mr. Vang won the, uh, uh it was ended up being a $2,000 payout, which a one day show was a pretty good payout. So, you know, overall it was good, to, good to see him get that win and, and get the W there in the 47. Yeah. Danny Vang's a good dude. You know, he races up in Hibbing. He races all the Northern tracks. He's from, uh, I think Iron or Crosby Deerwood, I think is from kind of around that Brainerd area. So we get to see a lot of Danny Vang and, he started the year. I don't know if you remember down beginning of the year down at I ninety four. I don't know if he was lead. I think he was leading, and he clipped the wall in the back straightaway, and he got in a big wreck there with him, Cole Searing, and I think Edgington. And at the end of the year, he capitalizes on somebody else clipping the wall and takes the win. So tip of the cap to Danny Vang. Other winners over there modified uh, Dan Ebert getting it done in the sixty. Little bit of controversy there with Gertis and Strand. Curtis has been really good. I thought maybe he'd have something for him, but got put tail back on a pretty, in my eyes, a pretty questionable call. You can jump on the Dirt Race Central and catch that. Uh, Super Stocks, uh, Dexton Cook remaining lightning fast over there. Midwest Mods, Blake Adams actually led a good chunk of that race, broke a shock, I believe, with seven to go. And the Nightmare, Lucas Rodin capitalized, took home a win. And uh, Jeff Ektal. Second win of the invite season, winning the legendary, and then over there in Fergus as well. So pretty decent racing. I got a question for you guys, though. So 
originally in Mother Nature, big factor here. Originally, it was supposed to be Heats one day, features the next with a significantly higher pay, right? And I got people messaging me, oh, man, they cut the purse, they chopped the purse. Unbelievable. Well, there's two ways of looking at it, right? So some tracks will take option A and be like, look, it's going to be a one-day deal, one one pit pass deal, one grandstand deal. We got to chop the purse. We can't lose 15000 on this race, right? Other tracks are going to be like, hey, we're going to pay the whole purse. And this is what Menominee was going to do here a couple weeks back. They were going to pay the whole purse, but they were going to charge everybody double to get in. It was going to be $75 to get in the pits, right? So, I mean, would you rather option A where they just cut the purse and don't whack everybody getting in? Or would you rather see them be like, hey, look, um, we're going to still pay the full amount, but everybody's paying a ton more getting in. Which one would you guys rather see? Uh, well, obviously, me not being a driver, I'd rather see the pit passes uh, not be double. Um, you know, from that standpoint, um, I think I'd rather see the purse cut rather than doubling the admission for everything. Krause as a racer. Yeah, I I think I think they made the right move there. Um, I think the drivers understand. Um, hey, we had a rain out. We're starting during the day. It's a one-day deal. You get that. You're at this time of the year, you know what's going on. You know you may be racing for a percentage or whatever it is. And the flip side, you don't want to charge double to the, you know, to the like like Bert said, to the fans and the and the pit guys. So I definitely think they made the right call there. And you knew it was coming. It's you know, still two grand and fifteen hundred win the mods, a thousand dollar bill for the super stocks. Um, you're still it was still good money for this time of the year for a one day show. So um I, I definitely think they make the made the right call there. And like I said, from promoter standpoint too, you know, and when you do that two day deal, you're hoping for a you know a decent turnout on Friday and you know, make some money on your practice and you know, make some money on Friday night, and then you can pay that uh that purse. But they I, they definitely made the made the right call there. And like I said, everybody, you know, the drivers understand what's going on. Don't screw over the rest of people um and make you know, now you're going to make a lot of people mad. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I think they made the right call and they announced the purse and all the changes in advance. It wasn't like a big surprise sprung on people. So I got to agree totally. Number three, let's stick with I-94, right? Now, not only did we have five classes that we just mentioned, but the, the big one, it's still point season. There's most of the points battles are pretty well locked in, but the Wissota Mod 4s were tied going into this race. Guys, the cream rising to the top at invite time. Dustin Holtquist absolutely putting it to him. Um, second straight week, he actually tied it up a couple weeks ago. Took the win this week, four-point lead. Literally one weekend of racing left for the Mod 4s. Your reigning Wissota Mod 4 national champion looking like he's in great position to go back-to-back -back after a huge win at the I-94 Speedway. Number two, let's go to the red clay. Bert, I know you watched the red clay, didn't you? Uh, yes, I I did. I did watch. I watched all the features except for the super stocks. <laughs> I ran out of time. I ran out of time. That, that's a freaking donkey award. <laughs> okay. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, uh, you got two freaking super stock guys on a podcast <laughs> with you. And you skip that one? What the hell is wrong with you? All right. Don't let it happen again. All right. So 
late model A man. You're an Eastern Wisconsin guy. Couple Eastern Wisconsin guys in the house. Nick and Blink. Rough weekend for the 15. He just got buried, started really deep. The other guy there, AJ Demo. Bert, what happened in the late model feature? Uh, well, supposedly, uh, while leading the race, AJ caused a caution, and well, he was called for a caution, um, and he just retired from the race then after that. But yeah, he led what the first uh, 15 or so laps, and it was on around lap 30. Uh, he was trying to pass, trying to lap Jake Radetzky. And I mean, Radetzky was, he was in the middle, he was in the middle lane and AJ had a full lane beneath them and was alongside of them. And uh, there was contact between the two. Um, I mean, it almost looked like Jake hit uh, AJ's rear tire and that spun him, spun him out. Um, but yeah, they called the caution on AJ. That was a tough one, right? That was a tough one. I, I went back and I watched that. We, of course, have the liberty of being able to kind of go back, rewatch it, slow it down, look at it. And I, I like Jake Verdetsky, but, man, oh, man, I as great of an event as this was, and we're going to talk more about the red clay in a minute, this might have been the worst call of the postseason. It was it was bad. It was, it was, it was bad. Now, with that said, there was a winner of this race, that this kid's a hell of a good race car driver, James Nitro Giassi. He might have won this deal anyway. Um, I mean, he might have tracked down AJ. Hard to say. You get in a lot of traffic. He was pretty sporty. He kind of put it to him. But Giassi, you know, despite that deal with AJ, he parks in the victory lane, takes home a big payday, $6,000 to win, and he needed a big win. This kid don't race much, right, which is unfortunate, in my opinion, because he's one of the most talented young late model drivers in the state of Wisconsin, probably in all of Minnesota. Somebody needs to sponsor this guy, right? Maybe the Alexandria Blizzard. Um, you know, maybe maybe Burt Lehman can sponsor. Uh, somebody's got to sponsor this kid. I don't know if it's a, a budget issue. I don't know what it is, but he barely races. I mean, he runs pretty much Cedar, and then he'll run a little bit at Mississippi Thunder and a couple shows other than that throughout the year. That's really all you see him. And well, uh, man, I'd like to see more of this kid. Well, and I don't I don't know if this is the reason, but it seems like when the local guys get an open engine, they race less. It happened with Jesse Glenn's uh Giassi got an open op, uh, open motor car and he races less than when he didn't have an open motor car. So I don't know if they spend so much money on the open stuff that they can't afford then to race the other car throughout the year. Yeah, that very well could be. So, Kroos, your thoughts on this late model feature? I mean, pretty good race, pretty good racetrack. What, your thoughts on uh, the Demo deal, Giassi, anything else on the late model feature that stuck out? No, I thought it was a really good race. It was, um, you know, a lot of big shooters up front. And um, Demo, I, I definitely think Demo wins a race if that doesn't happen. Um, I got to give the benefit to Delta Demo on that. Um I slowed it down. I watched it multiple times too. I mean, it was Radetzky knew he was there because Demo really roasted it in there to let him know that he was there. Um, and I don't know if Demo slid up a little bit. Radetzky may have came down. I think it was kind of a deal, a mutual deal there. Um, and they tangled and they spun. I, but the flip side is, I, I don't battle for first and second. Yeah, you got to make the call there, obviously, on somebody, but it wasn't. It was a lapper. You got to give the benefit of the doubt to the guy leading the race. There's a reason why he's leading the race. 
And there's a reason why Jake Radetzky was getting lapped. So, um, you know, like our like our buddy Dan says, um, you know, uh, Radetzky wasn't part of the race. Don't let him be a part of the call either. You know what I mean? So um, I definitely think Demo got the raw end of the deal on that. Obviously, I think he knew it too. He pulled back up there and then kind of pulled right off the track where he's hoping, hoping for some fireworks or some donuts on the front straightaway or something from uh, – <laughs> There wasn't any four wheelers around, so he couldn't pull the buzzy. But um, um, no, overall a good race, and I thought Massengill was going to be a little bit better. Um, and then Giassi just kind of drove pretty much wherever he want, kind of drove away with it. So uh, definitely a good race. Um, really, I, I've never been the show. I've never been to Ashland. I've never been up there. You could really tell the atmosphere there. The fans were getting into it. The place was packed. There's a lot of passion there. It's it's what a fall special should be. You should have that passion, and you know, and the fans getting into it and standing up and cheering and hooting and hollering. That's the that's the way these specials need to be. There's, you know, I ninety four didn't have that this week. I, you know, with the one hundred there being a couple weeks ago, it was just there was no. It was just kind of boring. It was just kind of blahs from a fan standpoint. So it's good to see Ashland. Um, just the atmosphere and how people get into it and the, the history of that race. And everybody knows about that deal. It's pretty uh, – I might have to make a trip up there. It was pretty cool just even to watch it on online. Yeah, and we'll talk more about the red clay in just a minute here. Uh, but you're spot on. I mean, that's – and remember, this is a 48. So we got 49 next year. I heard a little bit of grumblings that they got some big stuff planned for the 50th. But <coughs> – one thing I want to say about AJ Demo, you can tell he's a he's one of the old Wiley veterans, right? If this is a young guy, if this is one of the young racers, I probably shouldn't loop them all together, but more than not, right? I mean, can you imagine RTJ, right? In the if he gets if that same thing happens to him, he's blowing <laughs> up all over social media, right? I mean, I looked at AJ Demo's Facebook page, his racing page. I looked everywhere I could. And there wasn't one peep out of AJ Demel on Facebook blasting the call, blasting this, blasting that. He just, I guarantee he wasn't happy. Like, we thought the red clay was great. <laughs> he probably didn't think it was all that good. He's probably the only one that's like, that show sucked. It was terrible, right? But he didn't go on to make a big scene about it. He's professional about it. And uh, he knows that, you know, he got a raw deal there. But, uh, you know he'll come back swinging. He'll be he'll be quick this weekend. He's maybe got a little something to prove now this weekend. Now at the or uh, two weekends from now at uh, the Red Cedar Speedway. But number one, the moment of the week, the race of the week, maybe in conversation for one of the Wasota races of the year. I mean, it was incredible. The Midwest Mod A Main at the at the Red Clay Classic, guys. That was good, and it was good not just because it was a good race. But you got brothers battling up front, right? Brandon Jensen gets the lead. Joe or Joey Jensen gets a lead. Brandon Jensen tracks him down. They're kind of throwing sliders at each other a little bit. Brandon just a little bit too tough to tame. Drove away from his older brother to steal the show in an emotional one, right? I mean, they're just not even a year removed from, you know, their dad was a big part of racing and helped a lot of people involved. And you could see the raw emotion. You know, you know, Brandon pointing to the sky, you know, that one was for Big Joe, you know, so very cool seeing them guys battling up front. And uh, QQ Tony Barr, right, he's kind of teammates, I believe, there with Joey. I think Amundsen's own the 30 and the QQ, so they were one, two, three in that deal. But, man, that was a good race. I mean, 
Uh, all four features were good, but would you guys agree that that was probably the best of the four? The Madres are freaking good too, though. Well, I was I was just gonna say uh, I think the Madres was just as good as the Midwest uh, modified race. But uh, the thing that impressed me about Brandon was uh, he. It's not like he was just restricted to one lane. He was racing top bot. He actually made the pass for the lead on the bottom. But once he got into the lead, then he was running the cushion on the top side. And uh, and I also wanted to comment. I mean, it for the weather that they had up there that weekend and all the rain that they got, I thought the track was in very, very good condition, at least for the features. I didn't see what it was like during the heat races. But, I mean, I mean it looked smooth and in at least three lanes of racing guys i've been to a lot of red clay classics raced at them right i've watched a lot of red clay classics and and just like everywhere right pretty much every invitational has got you know maybe one or two features are good a couple of the other features kind of snoozers that's just dirt track racing this might be the best four collective of four feature races at the red clay i've ever seen I mean, there was moisture, top, bottom. You could race all over that place. And like you said, a lot of variables. They had a lot of mud. They had a lot to deal with there at the old ABC Raceway in red clay uh, fashion, pulling people out of the pits. They were buried in the pits. I mean, it's a disaster. You get stuck in the mud there, it's a disaster. But they plan for it. They know that's going to work. But hats off to the track prep crew. So lots of things, guys, stood out at the red clay classic. And I don't know how to say it without saying it. So it is what it is. I've never been one to beat around the bush. I think they kind of embarrassed the Wasota 100. Now, that's not their intent. They, they don't care to embarrass the Wasota 100. But from all the invitationals that I've seen, this was the premier invitational of 2023. I mean, and that's nothing against Thunder Bay because they had a hell of a deal up there too. Great racing up there. But, man, oh, man, I mean, what stuck out to you guys other than just the racing, right? What are some things that stuck out to you guys that go, man, this is a special. This is an event. This is a spectacle. And Krauss mentioned it, of course, with the with the culture, with the, the, the passion of the fans. From what you've seen there, guys, what else are some things that made this event kind of stand alone? Well, I mean, I've never been to that event. Um, I just watched, uh, you know, watched the stream. But I um, mean, just watching the stream, I mean, you could the crop. I mean, it looked like every seat, at least where the what the camera showed, every seat in that place was full. And there was a buzz leading into this race because of what ABC Raceway was doing. I'm not exactly sure everything, but they were paying. Uh, driver's admission or you know doing stuff like that and i think that helps set this uh um sets this special out hell of a job promoting right volunteer staff everybody there's a volunteer at the abc raceway Cross, imagine how successful the viking speedway could be if you didn't have to pay any of the employees right they have a full volunteer everybody that works there is a volunteer i don't know that there's another place in the country like that do you know of any? No, I, I don't. I don't. Um, got a hard enough time getting employees the way it is. So they'll pay them twenty bucks an hour, good money to show up. So yeah, I know. Like it, it's like Bert said, with all that stuff, the promoting, um, and it's it, you, you get some travelers there, obviously, but it's 
it's mainly those guys that run that area superior, you know, the hipping guys and those guys come over there and it's just a big local special, you know, you're going to get your travelers, your Sabraskis, and, you know, obviously great to see uh, your Wisconsin guys always come up with that. You know, Mike Grasseth came over there and had a great run. Good for him to, you know, come over there. So all of a sudden you're starting to pull some Western guys too over there to, to get up there and seeing that. But, but what stuck out for me was the crowd. I mean, that place was just jam packed, especially, this day and age with racing and seeing the crowds down in a lot of places, it's, it gets to be tough. So just to see the passion of the crowds and the fans and, you know, remind me like, you know, remember when Mark, Mike Marlar came from the back and won that race, the whole place was going nuts. That's the way Ashland was when those guys were swapping for the lead and the late model guys were swapping and, you know, Demo's getting sent to the back. People are booing, people are cheering, you know, it's, since the good old days, you know, it, it, it kind of reminded me like when the first, when we ran the fall classic at Viking Speedway, you know, that's, that's the way that the passion was. And, you know, someone beating Dan Zizan at, at his hometown track during a big special was, you know, was huge. So um, that's the way specials that it, it'd be great if they were all like that in the fall. I know it's tough to do, but that's my big takeaway from that was just watching the, watching the crowd and watching them cheer and standing up and getting into it and, you know, the only four classes of cars and they all stayed there the night. You know, he's watched some races. Um, as soon as the late models are done, boom, everybody's hitting the exit. And we still got three features left. So it's, it was good to see, just good to see the passion up there at Ashland. Yeah, absolutely. More mods and more supers than the Wasota 100 had. And, and like Bert alluded to, right? I, I believe it was the first 200. It might have been more than that. But they, they got drivers got in free night one. They didn't have to pay for pit parking. They didn't have to pay a draw fee. Right. So they got rid of all of those fees and the payout was incredible. I mean, it's literally one of the best, if not the best paying um, special at the end of the year. And then the extra stuff they do. Right. They got the golf tournament, the beanbag tournament, the Thursday, the night before they have that big party down at the neighborly bar. And they actually generate they create a bunch of revenue where the second place finisher in all four features got a check for an additional two thousand dollars on top of their winnings in all four classes. All they had to do was throw on that bridesmaid's dress. And Joey Jensen was like, I'm kind of sexy, ain't I? And so he had a little fun with it. Pat Nor incidentally did not wear that bridesmaid's dress a couple of years ago. He's like, bullshit, not doing that deal. But they have a lot of fun with it. Um, <clears throat> what are some other things here? Um, yeah, no BS fees is a big one. The volunteers, the passion, a lot of beer consumed, I promise, at the red play. Um, Touch on a couple of the other races. Mods, unbelievable race there. Clayton Wegman wins from 10th, gets the lead. Here comes Mike Anderson on the bottom. Looks like he gets the lead back with about a, what, a lap and a half, two laps to go. And he zigged when he should have zagged on the final corner and lap traffic. And there goes Clayton Wegman. Um, photo finish at the line. Great one there. Super stocks. Shane Sabraski dominated. But. Steve Stewart, local guy, ninth to second. Hell of a run for him. One of the only guys carving the high side. Tommy Richards, 16th to third. Um, very impressive. Great race. Sabraski stunk up the, the race for the lead, but second through eighth was really good. Midwest Mods, we talked about that, of course. Uh, Brandon Jensen, Joey Jensen, and the QQ of Tony Barr. But Daryl Nelson was a guy that was just on a mission. Right, and I would be remiss not to give him a shout out for that because he got buried. He started deep in both heat races, and in the late model, he went from nineteenth to fourth. If there's a late caution in that deal, he could have contended. And in the modified, twenty first to third. So two 
really, really good runs for the Hermantown Hammer. And I better give a shout-out to the old guy here, Al Utenin, 16th to 4th for the old veteran there from Superior, Wisconsin. But uh, I just want to give a huge tip of the cap. Congratulations on a great event to the staff at the EBC Raceway. The Red Clay Classic this year was incredible. And uh, with all the buzz, all the promoting, everything they do, there's already people planning to go back next year. So the other race, we talked about Fergus. We talked about uh, talked about that one at, at Ashland. Madtown Showdown, right? Rained out night one, rained out night two. They run it on Sunday. The first thing I want to say, it's, you know, hats off trying to get the show, and they did get the show one, but the crowd was pretty light. I mean, it was okay, but not not great. Um, man, that racing Sunday deal, guys, on, a, on you know, September racing on a Sunday, kind of a recipe for not making money. What do, what do you guys think? Good call or bad call to race that? Well, I uh, when I traveled with MJ, I, I always hated it when uh, there were rainouts for the specials and like at Punky or the Wasoda, and then they had had to race on Sunday afternoon. I hate Sunday afternoon racing. Uh, the racing's not very good, and like you said, you know, usually the crowd's not as good either. Krause, you you watch the features from over there. I mean, what what's the code? I mean. You got Hobbin won the mods. You got Trevor Nelson in the Supers, Blake Adams in the Midwest mods. Um, Hanson, um, was it Andrew Hanson? The 20 car, Street Stocks, Gen X late models, uh, little Charlie Olson. Um, Chad Olson's kid got it done there. But what what stuck out to you over at the Madtown Showdown? Uh, well, I, just to touch base a little bit about the about running on Sunday, it's a super tough deal because you had everybody there. Um, and it, it, like, uh, the guy doing dirt race centrals is my guy from Viking Speedway. I talked to him today. He's like, I was there set up, ready to go on Friday. Um, boom, complete rainout. And when they were all there, right? Like they had the track ran in and ready to go. Um, and Saturday it was sound like it was basically the same thing. So completely different situation. There's nobody there and it rains. Yeah. You should probably just cancel it. We had everybody there. Um, they got a ton of support. Um, it's a small town. It's a lot of locals there anyway. Um, and a lot of guys that already traveled and they're already sitting there. And, you know, I'm sure Volga was up there running around. We got a race. We got a race. You know, so um, I, you know, I think that was part of it. I, you know, looking back at, I think they, I think they made the right call to race um, just because of the situation um, that was dealt to them. Um, it's super tough deal. It was a long day on Sunday, you know, starting during the day and, um, obviously the track was real wet. Looks like they had to blade all the material off to the bottom. So it was a lot of work with them too, but, um, they're pretty passionate people over there. Um, you know, Troy and, and the gang over there, they're pretty passionate and they're going to get after it. So, um, but overall I thought, you know, I thought the race was going to be good. I was hoping for the, um, street stock feature. Um, Andrew Hansen kind of threw a curveball in there with everybody. Um, I really thought Vogel was going to get him, and Andrew stuck it out. And then you had the Browers beating his door down. And you had Tucker Peterson right there too. Um, not sure. I know a little bit of questions there. Both Browers were DQ'd. Um, sounds like something with front suspension and a spacer and a washer. I, 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 I've heard a few things. I know you filled me in a little bit about that. I don't know if you got anything else on that. So, um, it's good to see, you know, the top national point guys there. Um, I think one thing that made the show in Fergus real good was the pro four race. Um, then you got everybody down in, you know, all the street stock guys down in, 
in uh, in Madison running down there. So, um, you know, overall it was decent racing considering um, I thought the crowd was, you know, decent, long time to sit there, you know, starting at uh, two o'clock and then sitting there till the night. So um, overall props to them for getting that in all the hard work. Um, I know what it takes with those rainouts, your track guys, they're probably still sleeping. They probably haven't even woke up all the track maintenance people there and the employees. It's super hard on them physically and emotionally. So props to them for getting it in. And, you know, overall, I thought the racing was actually, it was actually pretty decent. Yeah, they got a ton of rain in a short period of time. I mean, I saw some videos and pictures. I'm like, oh, my God, right? I mean, it was crazy. So, you know, hopefully, I don't know their finances. Right. And some tracks are, did really good this summer. Some didn't. I have no idea what their finances were. Hopefully they didn't take a financial bath on the deal. Sometimes races sometimes do that. But, yeah, huge credit uh, for getting that event in. In the Brower deal, um, Colton Brower, I, believe, I think it was one, one way or the other. One of the Browers on the left front shock, um, you know where the, the stock shock shaft goes up through the frame? Well, apparently he had, like, washers and a bushing on top of there to basically – make it so the left front tire comes off the ground kind of loads the right rear not supposed to do that um and then something with adjustable trailing arm mounts on the other brower on the rear end housing which allows you to kind of play with the wheelbase a little bit um, don't know a lot of details those are the two things they did get disqualified for and it wasn't a points deal it was just literally a dq for the night so Good thing for them, but all the top contenders in the street stocks for the national points in the house, Andrew Hansen saying, I don't care if you're running for points or not. This is my house tonight. And uh, he kind of showed them how it's done. Oktoberfest, man, Dan, out at the Dakota Speedway. A little bit. So one was soda class out there, right? So they got street stocks. Jeff Hellman won from 13th. Kyle Anderson, 12th to second. He's had some really good runs this year coming from deep in the field, passing cars. Um, fun race, fun place to watch racing at. I've never been there. Good group of people. I love the announcers, right? You got uh, Mason was there, Becca. I mean, they got they got a great group of people there announcing. But some rumors there. Some rumors. We'll wait for Kraus to jump back in. A little bit of rumors. <laughs> so Hunter Damagala kind of owned that place this year. Not kind of. He flat out owned that place. He, like, won every night. Sold his, sold his car. Rumor has it that he sold his Wasota Street and is going IMCA stock car racing, okay? The other rumor is the Carters, Todd Carter, possibly Johnny Carter, transitioning from street stocks to IMCA stock cars, okay? Now, they got a letter in the mail. The Dakota State uh, Dakota Speedway up in Mandan got a letter from John Gartner, who is the – he runs the Dakota Mod Tour, course they run uh that's been going on for years it's imca mods and stock cars basically a plea to be like you know hey we would love to see mandan switch get rid of street stocks go to imca stock cars and kind of a mixed bag i've seen a few different things online some people are like why on earth would we eliminate a class where we get 20 you know every night the top guy's out. Now there's going to be a lot of parody. should be interesting to see who's going to win. And then people are like, well, if you run IMCA stock cars, you get more travelers in. But will that really happen? Carlos, your thoughts on this whole uh, possibility of Mandan transitioning from street stocks to IMCA stock cars? Yeah, they're in a tough spot out there with um, 
you know, like I said, with, with the mod tour out there and the way IMCA is developed out there. And you got to remember their street stock count. The reason why they kept them is because their car count's so high. They're 20 plus almost every single night out there. They've been out there for years. Um, and I, I think my old, uh, my old street stock was floating around out there somewhere. I don't know quite where it's at, but I sold it to a guy from out there. So um, it's a super, super tough call. Um, I know some of those tracks around here. The, the problem with the stock cars, there's just not a lot in this area right now. Is there a lot of stock cars out there? Yes. But are there a lot of stock cars in the area? No. Um, so that's the tough part. Um, I don't know how much stuff transfers over. Um, I know the cars are somewhat the same. I know there's screw jacks and some tranny rules and some different stuff involved with the stock car. Obviously, the engines cost um, a little bit more. They got a little bit more horsepower there too. So I'm not sure as far as that all goes, but that's that's a, that's a tough one. You gotta. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of torn on it. What to do if if they only have? Because they only, you said you only have one class out there right now. Yep. Because they used to have two, class. correct? They must have dropped the Midwest mods a couple years ago or or whatever year ago. And obviously the sport mods have taken off. Um, you know, there's a lot in that area now with, you know, even, you know, Fargo and some of those tracks being IMCA now too. So uh, super tough call on what you do. You got to get your drivers involved, see what they want to do. Um, you know, stock cars are getting pretty hot. Um, it's, you can go pretty much go race those things anywhere. You can run them. You can go to Bristol and run them. You can go down south, down to Texas and run them. You can run them in Boone. You can run them anywhere. So, um, but how much do people really travel this day and age too? So you got there's a lot to consider there. Um, I think they're going to have to have a meeting, get the drivers involved, get some people involved and say, hey, well, you know, what are we leaning here? What's our best option? What do you guys want to do? You have to look at cost right now. You have to keep everything affordable. Um, spending a whole bunch of money right now, I don't think it's in a lot of drivers' Um, thinking about spending a lot of money right now with a lot of drivers. So it's a tough call. Uh, I don't make a split gut decision here. Sit down, do some pros and some cons and say, hey, what's what's the best option for our drivers and our track? Yeah, I totally agree. So that leads us, segues us in to our hottest take of the week, brought to you by Brad Parsons Soil and Egg Solution. And again, I don't know a lot about farming, but he does, right? He does. And if you want increased yields, if you want more productivity, if you want more profitability at your farm, especially in western Minnesota and the Dakotas, give Brad a call, 320-219-3542. Have a conversation. Get some data. You're probably going to be out on the combine or whatever anyway. You're going to be out riding around. You might as well be on the phone with Brad learning about what he has to offer for racers by racers. See if he can help you in 2024. So, guys. This leads me to this, right? So this is one example of a track out in North Dakota discussing. I'm not saying they're switching, but they're discussing the possibility of switching. Over the last several years, I mean, there's been less and less Wissota tracks all around, right? A lot of places are dropping. I don't know that there's a track in Minnesota south of the cities. Maybe Monty would be considered south of the cities, barely. But south of that, that's Wissota anymore, right? So Wasoda's losing tracks. They're losing drivers. Yet certain members of Wasoda, they point the fingers at people like me and, and Jeff and Dan and Bert. Like, oh, you guys are all troublemakers. You, you guys are all negative. Tracks aren't leaving Wasoda, guys, because of a podcast. It's been happening for years, okay? 
They need to wake up, right? They have this is they're at a crossroads. They either need to have take a really good look inside and figure out what do we got to do to get tracks to stay, right? And drivers to have interest in Wasoda, or are we gonna spend all our time worrying about these podcasters that are hurting our feelings? Okay. So they need I'm just gonna say they need to wake up. I mean, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. There's tracks right now that have that have dropped. And and Jeff, you've been you're privy to this. You know that there's been tracks in central Minnesota that have had conversations over the last year about getting together if certain things happening, saying, you know what, we're gonna get together. Maybe we're looking at USRA. There's other areas looking at IMCA. Fix it, right? We want to see Wasota grow. We want to see it strong. We want to see it thrive. And and we're not afraid to call out the shortcomings. And when we see things happening that aren't happening right, we want to see that stuff change. But when we call it out, oh, man, we're just troublemakers. Guys, is it too late? Can this be fixed? I'll let Jeff answer first because I'm an outsider looking in on Wasoda. <laughs> right? Listen, here's my, it can be fixed, Ryan, and here's the deal. There's tracks out there just waiting for Wasota to contact them and say, hey, what can we do to help? What can we do to you to add some, you know what I mean? They're out there waiting. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Um, and everybody's kind of in that, you know, we, yes, there's been plenty of talks. We've had calls and we've talked with all the tracks. We've talked with I-94, Granite, Ogilvy, you know, what's what's Princeton going to do in that area? What's the Northern guys going to do? We've had all those conversations, right? And you know that. And I'm telling you right now, there's people, Soda, tracks are waiting. Get on board. Hey, let's let's help out these tracks. What can we do to get the car counts up? What, what can we do to get the fan car counts up you know what can we do to get everything up get a bunch of tracks on board what can we do to get the wasota 100 huge and there's a lot of us that are willing to help and get behind you so uh you're definitely right ryan here we're, we're at a tipping point there's no doubt about it it's which way we're going everybody's creeping in usra is creeping in imca has been creeping again um and we're shrinking you know so what's what's going to go down here i'm and i'm telling you it's just going to take take the right person to get behind it and and, and get get some of these tracks back. You know, there's like Buffalo River. I know there's some tracks out there just waiting. You know, which way do we want to go right now? Um, do we want to go full IMCA or do we want to go in with Wasota? So um, it's just a matter of getting their heads together. And like you said, put put us behind. We're, and what we do is is what we do. I told some people the other day, if, if I listened to the internet and what people said about my coaching and my power play, I said I would have to quit. I would have to quit coaching 20 years ago. So, uh, hey, it is what it is with with the media and and stuff like that. So, like you said, at the end of the day, Ryan, you know, you, you and me, we've supported Wasota for years and years and years. You're a national championship, uh, national champion. I've spent 10, 12 years racing for national points and supporting tracks and. You know, I was seven, eight years in a row. I finished in the top 10 of national points. You know what I mean? And it, it was fun and love going to the 100. It's tough for me to race that with, with what I do, but uh, we're waiting, you know, and I, we there's people that, that want to jump on board and, and want to help and get, get everybody together and make it bigger and better. So, Bert, you're on the outside looking in. Jeff and I have been very involved both as racers and then on the promoting side, helping with, with tracks, right? But you're on the outside, you're in eastern Wisconsin, you're in IMCA country. A lot of those tracks used to be with soda. 
So you're not, it's not like you're unfamiliar with Wasoda. It was a big part of racing over there. What are you seeing from that side of the side of things? Um, well, I mean, just me being an outsider looking in at Wasoda, um, it just seems to me that, um, I mean, are they really blaming the podcast for all their problems? Not everybody on the board, but there's a few. Okay. All right. Um, my impression is that um, when issues come up, they just um, and in a solution is uh, a pot potential solution is presented to them. They just dig. It seems like they just dig their heels in and say, "No, that's not the way it is. Our way is the right way." Um, it, it just seems like just from an outsider looking in, like they have no budge in them no budge in them that this is the way it's done and we're going to do it this way. And I think a lot of that is they spend too much time taking everything to heart. Like, like, Oh man, they're, they're calling us out that we did this wrong and that wrong. It's a personal attack. They hate us. Blah, blah, blah. Instead of going, okay, what are they saying here? Why are they saying it? See, and, and there are certain board members out there that I've had conversations with, right. That have said these Track promoters have no issue. None of them. They have no issue calling me, calling Kraus, and saying, here's what's going on. This is wrong. That's got to be fixed. But the same conversations are not happening between a lot of the promoters and a lot of the board. I don't understand why. It could be maybe on the board side. could be on the promoter side. But it's like the, the people that need to be communicating to make the, the stuff get fixed, they're not communicating. And Quite honestly, I mean, part of the reason is you call the office that was soda. You're lucky they answer the phone. And if they don't answer the phone, you're lucky you get a phone call back. That's if you're a promoter. That can't happen, right? So it's just a like like every bad relationship. It's a breakdown in communication. And if, if communication can get happen and you know, you put the you know, pointing fingers and all that to the side, everybody just get let's get on the same page, make this better. But I think, like you said, there's people that dig their heels in and just I don't think they want to make it better. Well, and I mean, I mean, this was at I would say it was at least 15 years ago when Shano Speedway dropped uh, the Wissota sanctioning for the late models and they just went unsanctioned for late models. And I know one of the reasons was that Shano Speedway felt like for what they were paying Wissota and sanctioning fees, they weren't getting their their return on their investment. And that was one of the reasons why they decided to drop out. Now I understand channel speedway is a little bit different situation because I mean, we're way East than any other Wissota track. So, you know, I, I can see, you know, Wissota not catering to them because they're so far to the East, but, um, but even a track that that far away, I mean, you at least have to listen to their concerns and uh, make it seem like, the money they're spending in sanctioning fees is, is worthwhile. So here's a little teaser for everybody right now. There's a couple board members that have reached out and they said, we'd like an opportunity to jump on the podcast with you guys and just have a heart to heart conversation about with soda, how the inner workings work and just talk <laughs> about things. And that's going to happen. So we got a couple board members here. It's going to be a week or so yet. They got some things going on, but stay tuned because uh, I know that 
I'm not afraid to ask some hard questions, and I'm interested to see how they respond. So let's jump into a little who's hot and who's not. Brought to you by Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating, Chris Redding and the crew over in Ashland, Wisconsin. Great group of people. They build the Galloper chassis, custom powder coating, sandblasting, fabricating. They do it all. They, they're trackside vendor at multiple different racetracks. Sponsor a lot of race cars. Proud sponsor of the Fastlane Northland Superstock Series. And uh, so for all things racing, get a hold of Chris and the gang over at Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating. So, guys, let's go with a little who's hot. Bert, who do you got? Who's hot? Um, nationally, I'll, I'll take the low hanging fruit and I'll go with RTJ. <laughs> um, you know, some more victories over the last week. I mean, I think we've said pretty much all we, we can about how spectacular his season is so far this year. How about, how about on the local scene? Local scene? Uh, you talked about him earlier in the show. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, Daryl Nelson. He didn't get any any victories over at in Ashland, but uh, he battled from deep in the field into uh, into a uh, top five. Or what were they both podiums? Fourth and a third. Okay, so two top five uh, uh, finishes after being after starting deep in the field, and uh, he's uh, he's had other top runs in other specials this during the special season. So I'll go with Daryl Nelson. Yeah, that's a good one right there, and enjoy watching that forty four because I think. He's only got a couple more years left in him. So uh, I think Cade's going to be the guy to watch. Coach Krause, who's hot? Yeah, well, obviously um, obviously the 32 and the 20, still in the national scene, still tearing it up, still staying hot. So I'm going to be interested to see, um, you know, is Pierce going to um, throw a curveball in at Eldora with those guys? I would assume he's going to be there for 100 grand to win. I'm assuming all those guys are going to be there. They're off. So that's going to be interesting scene. So those two staying hot. And then um, locally, um, we got to give a shout out to Dustin Holquist, Ryan. I mean, um, he's raced seven times in the month of September. He's won five. And with national title on the line, he's doing what his job. I see he got DQ'd. Do you know why he got DQ'd in KRA on the 8th? Do you know why? I don't. I don't know why. Obviously, if it was, I don't know if it was a car infraction, unfortunately, I have no idea. No yeah, I just saw that. I was looking up his results there. Um, then I, it was obviously at the um, MPH show. He got fifth up there in Bemidji, which is a really tough field up there. So doing well, and then you know winning at Granite and winning at winning at I ninety four. Obviously doing what he has to do, especially this time of year with what's on the line. Got to got to put Dustin. I got to know um, got to know Dustin and Bob pretty well. Ran supers there for a little bit. Used to come over to Viking. I'd see him down in Madison every once in a while too. So I got to know those guys pretty well. Two good guys. Two great guys, so good to see them doing well. Um, I got to give a shout out to Lucas Trodine too. He's he's picked up the pace. I put him on the not hot list there for a while and and got the win at nine ninety four. I you know had really good run at the one hundred. Um, you know, getting think he ended up fourth there, but with with the field and how many cars are at the one hundred, he's really picked up his pace and you know kind of secured himself there in the national points. I think he's sitting in second right now, I believe. Um, don't think he's going to catch, obviously, Mr. Benson. But good to see him pick it up and, um, and you know, getting on the hot list. Yeah, I think he's pretty well locked himself into the runner-up spot in the national standings. Wasn't even running for it. Started out cold, but he really picked it up the second half of the year. I'm going to go with Rico Abreu. I don't know if there's been a hotter sprint car driver in the country in 410 sprint cars. 
because he races everything, right? He's at the high limit. He's at World of Outlaw races. He's everywhere. And it seems like every single time Rico unloads, he's a threat and he's on the podium all the time. One again tonight. We're doing the show Tuesday. One again tonight in the high limit series at Bridgeport. So Rico Abreu, keep an eye on him this weekend uh, down at or over at Port Royal. He got three big ones. And uh, locally, I'm going to go Jeff Ektal. A pair of wins here come in by time, winning the Legendary 100 and winning over at I-94 this weekend. A couple wins for him. I did have a couple others. I wasn't going to repeat the ones that you guys said. I had a few of them on there as well. Bert, who's not? Nationally, I am going to go with Brandon Overton. He was in the top four entering the Pittsburgher. And I think he was in a, he was, when he was running on the track, he was still in the top four. And then he came to a stop, bringing out a caution, came into the pits, uh, wound up going back out there, but uh, didn't get high enough in the final rundown to make the top four. Uh, I was reading an article and he thought he blew up because the car started vibrating really bad and he lost all the power steering. Well, here, uh, the power steering belt was knocked off i believe he was a was the final issue and uh so he could have kept going but he said that you know when that happens it's you know it happens really fast and by the time he looked down to see that he still had oil pressure that you know he had already come to a stop and uh um maybe he has to be like nick hoffman and just run it whether you have an air cleaner or whether <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, he did comment that, yeah, he was not going to do that. I think it was a power string hose um, burst because there was fluid all over, and that's what the okay, yeah, was. Okay, yeah, okay. And he broke all the blades off the fan. So that was yeah. a vibration. His fan blade broke. So question for you guys, right? You're th so he's in contention. He's in fourth coming into this deal, Okay has a legitimate shot to just run well, lock himself into the Final Four, and he decides, hey, we're going to bring out a Team Zero car, like an old, like, five, six, seven-year-old Team Zero car that we had, that Wells had laying around. And then I think he finished the week back in the Longhorn. What's well, your guys' thoughts on that? <laughs> he finished the same night in a Longhorn. He went to the backup car the same night that he – had the team zero car out there to me that that just tells me that they've thrown everything at the wall and they just can't figure it out so we're just going to try something totally different Kraus? yeah or the um i don't know maybe the longhorn follow it starting you know what i mean you you can't there, there's you got everybody's on a longhorn right now you're not going to keep everybody happy you're you're just not you're not going to do that I know I watched Arpin's little video there when they announced Shepard and Hayworth. We're going to make sure we get McCready this, McCready that. Well, obviously that hasn't been happening. So I don't know what's going on there. It's really, really super interesting what's going on there. And I know Overton and McDowell are buddies. Um, I know they talk a lot. I know Overton really looks up to him. And I don't know. There's I know they got easy go on both their cars. So I, I don't know if there's something going on there. And they, maybe he sees McDowell in this. When it's slick, when it's like that, you're not going to beat Dale McDowell. It's just the way it is. So it's it's interesting to see what's going on there. But like I said, Bert, why in the world the last night? He would have been in, um, and he and he was fast. So so I, I don't. know. It's super interesting. We have to see what plays out here. You know, 
obviously this year's almost open. We'll see what happens in the offseason with the 76. Well, and what really makes that move intriguing is the fact that Wells is a Longhorn dealer. So um, it was really surprising when they had a Team Zero car out there. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Who else you got not hot? Anybody on the local scene? Uh, locally, I'm going. We talked about him also earlier. I'm going with uh, AJ Demo. Uh, He's had a rough model. enough week, Bert. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, late model wasn't his fault, but he was racing a modified also, and he was running second, I believe. And he pulled off. Uh, must have had some sort of mechanical issues. Uh, but uh, you know, at the Cedar Lake special, he. Uh, got into the wall and uh, bent his nose down and went from leading to 10th. Uh, the Sites Memorial race, he didn't finish. So he hasn't been having a great special season. It's not like he hasn't been fast, but my well, goodness, what well, and pours for sure. <laughs> Maybe the common denominator is that I picked him in pretty much all those races. All right. So AJ Demo fans, <laughs> that's Bert Lehman, B-E-R-T-L-E-H-M-A-N for all the hate mail. All right. Krauss, who's not? We're going. We're going to go a little, uh, a little different route here. Uh, Matt Crafton is is on the not hot list. Um, he's only got two wins this year. Okay, usually always in, got knocked out of the playoff chase with the fiasco that happened at Talladega, and then totally denies sucker punching this kid. So I don't know if anybody saw the video on that and the fight down there. Um, I've read both. I've read both sides of the story. <laughs> I saw the little video. I saw the bloody face. Looked like um, look, I, I could maybe use him this weekend on my hockey team. We got a little rough and tumble home opener coming up here. So maybe I should call that kid up, see if he can skate. And um, I could use a little could lose, use a little fight this weekend at the Blizzard game. But um, I'm thinking Matt Crafton was taking his frustrations out on, on that kid and getting – yard sailed at Talladega, which happens when they come to the checkered every time. So um, I'm going to put him, Matt Crafton, on the not hot list. And then um, I'm gonna, I got to go. I got to put Ryan Gustin on the not hot list, too, because he got he got quicker there for a while, Ryan. And I know he hasn't won. He hasn't won since the end of July. He won one of the um, the qualifiers there at Fairbury. Um, and then, he, you know, I think he you know, was good at Mississippi Thunder, Deer Creek when he came in this area, Fargo. You know, he was. He was quick in there, and I'm like, God, you know what? He might be able to be a contender, and he got sixth one of the nights in Eldora. Um, but other than that, he, I mean, he's been like 18th, 25th, and finishing. So um, I really thought he was going to turn the corner, get a little bit quicker, get a little faster. You know, I, he's a wheel man. He likes running the wall. Um, you know, throw a little monkey wrench up. You know, he's not afraid to take the crap from Pierce and some of those guys. He'll get up on the wheel. So um, those are my my two uh, guys nationally. Locally, I don't really have anybody locally. Um, you know, it wasn't maybe do you put TPO on there with the fact that he didn't, didn't perform real well um, in the late model or the mod in I-94. And, you know, maybe points are over he knows where he's going to finish maybe he wasn't really pushing it or trying too hard so um i don't really have anybody else on there other than some of the um some of the guys that are in points battles that are the points are over with haven't been very weren't very good last weekend so i don't know if it's a case that ah maybe we're going to stop trying you know you're kind of 
maybe you're, you're demoralized that you're out of the Wasota National Point Chase, you can't move up anymore, and season's so long, you know, stuff like that. But other than that, I don't have anybody else on the not hot. Well, I do. On the National Point scene, you, that segues right in. I got Shane Sabraski in the modified. So, super stock, he put it to him in Ashland, but guys, the first half of the year, he struggled. Not that he struggled, but he he was kind of having some bad luck with the super stock early in the year. It is like he could not lose in the modified. And that thing has just flipped a switch. And he's just kind of been, I mean, I think he still maybe got third or something like that. But to his standards, he's kind of been a non-factor as far as battling for wins in that modified. We'll see if maybe he's good at Ogilvy. Give me some really good cars there this weekend, though. So we'll see what happens. But Shane in the modified, I'm not sure. Just kind of flipped a switch. He's not been very good. Sheldon Hoddenschild in the in the sprint cars. It's like last year we talked about him every week. Checkers or wreckers, we called him Buggy Bobby because he was super exciting, self-inflicted wounds, but he was extremely fast. It's like he's not even there. I mean, you never hear about him. He's very rarely a factor battling for a win, even for a podium. So a really rough year for the 17. So let's jump into a little bit of a look ahead to this week's Wissota Specials, right? So we got the Fall Classic this weekend at Ogilvy. Uh, heats Friday, features Saturday. That's really the the big one in Minnesota, so to speak. <coughs> big Sky out in Billings, Montana. They got a doubleheader, two complete shows. And uh, Rob Petrov, maybe a guy that could advance his spot a little bit in the Wissota Street Stock Division. We'll see what happens out there. And then we have uh, Casper, Wyoming. Now, guys, this one's interesting because the Mod 4 title race right now is four points separated. Dustin Holmquist with a four-point lead over Tommy Bowden. Casper, not very good car counts, like four or five mid or Mod 4s, but they got two complete shows with a Can-Am clash canceling um, in two weeks at the Superior Speedway. This is the final week for the Wissota Mod Force. So the options are one show over two days at Ogilvy or two complete shows for the Mod Force out at Casper. Could you see either Bowden, Holtquist, or both heading west and trying to make something happen in the final week? Keep, we'll keep an eye on that for you. And then the rescheduled 52nd annual Jamestown Stock Car Stampede out in Jamestown. Kraus, you ever run that race out there? I did. I ran it back. Oh, boy, you're throwing me a memory here. I went out there once. I believe it was 2003. Um, I got uh, – I almost rolled in the heat, um, literally. I was up on two wheels, Duke's a hazard, and it came down, end up finishing the back. I started in the back. I got second in the B, and um, um, I gave um, – I'm coming on the scale. I got to tell the story. I'm coming out of the on the scale, and all of a sudden, wham! I get smoked from behind going on the scale, and it wasn't an accident. So it was back. This is back when we had the old Muncies, you know, the aluminum Muncies. Where you, I mean, you had a clutch the whole nine yards, and I put her in reverse and canned it on the scale. And it was Barry Robertson. You remember Barry Robertson? Yeah. I smoked him, and the scale guy comes running over, and I gave him the old. Oh, I thought I was in low. I must have been in reverse. Um, I ended up, I started 20th and I got ninth. Um, and actually remember, uh, Derek Vessel won it that year in the super in the 16. He, um, he started up front and I ended up getting ninth in that deal, but I was out there. Cool deal. Great event out there. Um, 
partying all night, um, locking people in Porta Johns and trying to tip them over, that whole good stuff, standing in fires, that, that whole stuff out there. So fun show, great show. That was a fun track. Another one of those tracks, Ryan and Bert, atmosphere. The fans get into it. It's a stock car stampede. It's been going on forever. So super cool event. Yeah, I, I, I won that a couple different times. And like you, I might have had an, in, an incident out there where uh, my temper got the best of me. Um, that's the track, Bert. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, we talk about Buzzy Adams and a four-wheeler deal. My four-wheeler deal was at the Jamestown Stock Car Stampede. Dustin Strand, I felt like he wrecked half the field that night. And, you know, he turned out to be a hell of a race car driver after I'm buddy to Dustin. But um, I went over and kind of had some words, and he kind of made a couple hand gestures, and I teed him up on the four-wheeler. And luckily, nobody saw it. Well, a couple people did, but nobody that could make a call. <laughs> um, but it was always fun going out there because uh, my mom's from Montana. We've got a lot of family out in Montana. And, you know, my cousin and, you know, uh, my several cousins would come over to that event and watch me race. So always had a good time heading out to Jamestown. Also in USRA world. So I don't watch a lot of USRA, nothing against it. It's really good racing. I don't watch a lot of IMCA. I really don't because I'm more of a Wissota guy. But I watch I typically watch Boone because that's the, the premier IMCA event. Well, USRA's premier event is this week as well, down at Wheatland at uh, the Lucas Oil Speedway, the USRA Nationals down there. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. A little update on the Wasota points. Late models, clinched, over. Tyler Peterson, congratulations. Rookie of the year and national champion in the Wasota late models. Shane Sabraski has officially locked up the Modifieds and the Superstocks. Um, Zach Benson officially locked up the Midwest Mods. Now, Street Stocks, it's close to locked up, but it's not locked up. In fact, there are still three drivers that could win this deal. Justin Vogel in the driver's seat. He's got an 11-point lead on Braden Brower. He's got 17 on Tucker Peterson. If, if Tucker Peterson sweeps out with 112s, he wins by one point. Braden Brower could possibly, with a couple wins, be right in the mix. So this weekend will decide it all. And it'll be interesting to see. Are they going to go? Or where, where are they going to go? Would you go to Billings? Jeff Cross, let me ask you this. You're, you're Braden Brower. Okay. Braden Brower's traveled all over the countryside this year trying to chase down a national championship, right? Does he have to go to Billings for two complete shows? You want to win the national championship, you're probably going to have to. Um, I I can't go to Montana. I think there's um, still Warren out there for my arrest. Old old hockey story. We'll get Bert. We beat up the mascot. It, it's an old hockey story. When I played, I'll fill you in some other time. But <laughs> Pop showed up, which it is what it is. So I, I'm, and I lived, I played in Great Falls. I lived in Montana. So I know all about that. So I, I don't know, Ryan. I think, I think you're going to have to, but are you going to really? It's, it's a long drive, man. That's, it's, it's, it's a long ways out there. It really is. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it's, if you want to, you're going to travel out there for what is it to win? Is it third, three grand, 3,500 to win the national title? Well, okay. he went to Rapid City a couple times, right? So it's not, that much further right i mean it's a few hours but if you went all the way to rapid city and you're committed at this point it'll be interesting to see what the 34 junior does another guy i mean tucker peterson 
it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to head west either. It's really not. So I'm going to be super intrigued to see where these drivers go. Vogel's really good at Ogilvy. He's won the Fall Classic um, numerous times. So I'm pretty sure he's going there. The other two, though, it'll be interesting. And and it's not a gimme, right? It's not like, hey, Braden Brower is going to Billings. He's just going to get two wins out there. They got some pretty good hot rods out there. It's not a gimme to go out there and win, but I think he's got to he's got to give it the old college try. We talked about the mod fours, Holtquist with a slight advantage, and then the Pure Stocks, of course, locked up Josh Berg, and the Hornets locked up Justin Barsness. Guys, our weekly pickums here this last week. Um, the races we picked, we picked the high limit sprints at Lernerville, of course, Gravel winning that one. Um, that was kind of a pretty crazy race. It's on flow if you haven't watched it. Um, Kyle Larson had it won, I thought, hit the cushion, just about cartwheeled. Castro Flow Racing Night in America at Tyler County. Bobby Pierce, after two weeks off, parked in Victory Lane. Lucas Oil Late Models, we talked about the RTJ Sweep. World of Boat Loss Sprints at Williams Grove. Um, Brad Sweep, but then uh, the Posse wins night number two. Big payday, what was it, 50 grand to win, I think it was, for the National Open. Talked about the Red Clay Classic and the Gopher State. Uh, showdown. So last week's big winners and big losers in the points. Big Bad Brad, 17 points for, I don't know if he, I think he maybe submitted his picks after the races were done. I'm not sure, but he got 17 nonetheless. Kent and Dan got 16. Carl got 13. Mike got 12. Curtis and Bert got 10. I suck. I just, I'm terrible at this. I got nine points, right? I'm just awful. But the biggest loser in this deal is that guy from up in Michigan, Jeff. I mean, one point? <laughs> what? How? Like, what is it? Is he picking, like, Steve Kinzer, like, Scott Boom? What's well, he doing? I, I, well, don't, I don't really get it. Just pick RTJ and Pierce, and you're going to, you're guaranteed a- at least two points somewhere along I, the line. I would think, right? I mean, I mean, man, oh, man. I mean, I get trying to make up some ground, but wow, wow. So our current standings right now, Curtis, one point shy of 200. He's at 199, seven points ahead of Burt. Now, we get two points if your driver wins, one if nobody wins, but your driver is the highest finisher. So that is effectively uh, you need three wins and then a good spot. You, he's got a little bit of a cushion on you dan's at 185 brad's at 184 mike at 174 kent at 170 the old 71a at 158 carl at 150 and jeff at 127 wow wow like you can literally just put some names on a dartboard jeff and just throw darts and then just pick the driver you'd probably get more than one point so this week guys the races we're going to pick we're going to pick uh, the late models, mods, supers, Midwest mods, and streets at the Fall Classic. We're going to pick the late models at the 52nd running of the Stock Car Stampede. We're going to pick the Tuscarora Classic, which is Thursday night, 60000 to win at Port Royal for the All-Star Sprints. Tonight's race, the high-limit sprint cars at Bridgeport. Rico Abreu won that one. I, I did officially get two points. I got Twice as many points as Jeff did in just one race this week. Excited about that. World of Outlaw Late Models. Brownstown and Falls. Guys, these are two really sporty, elbows-up, bullring racetracks. I'm pretty excited to see these races. 
USA uh, or USRA Nationals for the mods. We're going to pick the finale on Saturday. And then we're going to pick a Hunt the Front late model series race down at Swainsboro, 23,000 to win on Saturday night. So let's jump into the last lap here, brought to you by our friends at Dirt Track Supply in Watertown, South Dakota. Ron and Trevor Anderson, great ambassadors to racing. They build the aero chassis. They can do any kind of fabricating, build bodies, bumpers, you name it. If you need tires, safety equipment, parts, they can get anything you need for racing. Um, stop in, say hi to these guys. I mean, they just they just are passionate about the sport, love to help people. They both had a storied career themselves in racing. So for all things racing, especially in that side of the world over there, Watertown, South Dakota, that's Dirt Track Supply. So one a little cleanup here from last week, Andy Jones. I, I said, I think it was his first win in a late model. It was. Um, so when he won the Piston Cup, that was his first career late model feature win. And on top of that, as a rookie track champion uh, for the late models at Ogilvy. So great, great job, Andy Jones. Um, Rockford Speedway. Bert, you, why don't you talk a little bit about Rockford Speedway? That's a closer to your neck of the woods. I, you, I guarantee you've interviewed drivers that oh, have yeah. raced at yeah. Rockford. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, Rockford Speedway is an asphalt track. It's located in northern Illinois. Um, and I don't know how many years it's been running, but uh, they it held its final race over this past week. I mean, we talk about specials that have uh, um, an air about them that, you know, specials that are really special and the Rockford special in the fall is always one of the big specials for the asphalt drivers and fans. Uh, but unfortunately, um, my understanding is the track is going to be bulldozed over. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what they're putting on the property, but it will no longer be in existence after this year. Yeah, but I live about 10 minutes from the track. Uh, 10, 12 minutes. I live in Belvedere, Illinois, and uh, it's highly developed around them. You've got a hospital, you've got, I think there's a Menards there. I mean, everything around that whole area in Loves Park, just north of Rockford, all of it is developed except for the land that the racetrack's on, right? So developers purchased it. They, they finally shot them an offer, right? That they, they couldn't refuse. And, and uh, I, I'm guessing the people that own that, I mean, the primary owner passed here about a year ago, maybe two years ago, but our kids own it now. I'm guessing they got a pretty hefty payday because that's a lot of land in a very prime location. Um, but uh, Jeremy Miller won the final running of the National Short Track Championship, 58th winner, final winner, um, Rockford driver. He's from Rockford, so it's kind of cool to see a hometown guy win the final race um, at that racetrack. But always sad seeing a track closed on. I, I regret I never went there this year. I was gonna. Um, I should have. And I kind of regret not making it to a race at Rockford being that I live literally right there. But it is what it is. But another track gone. And hopefully there's not many more to follow. And to kind of uh, give a perspective of how important Rockford how important the racetrack in Rockford was to the asphalt community. Uh, Rich Bickle, he's from Wisconsin, but he He's raced in NASCAR. 
And, uh, then after he was done in NASCAR, he came back and raced locally again for a while, but he retired a couple years ago. Uh, he came out of retirement just, just for that one race in Rockford over the weekend, because, um, it was the last race ever being held there. Yeah, I guess it was pretty emotional for a lot of people, which I can fully understand for sure. Speaking of Illinois racing, <clears throat> I want to give a shout out to the one to go show 83, Dave Dulciak. I think he made it eight in a row. He won his 11th. He won again this past Saturday. I was not there this weekend. I went up to visit the parents, but I uh, locked up the track championship over in Sycamore. So always good to see the one to go show 83 in victory lane. Um, another thing here, uh, apparel reminder, right? So, you know, we have, we have a link on our, on our Facebook page. I should take that to the top, but if you're looking for, for hoodies, we have hats, we have different shirts, we have the unwritten rules brand of, of apparel. Um, jump onto our online store and, and you can purchase and get shipped right to you. Um, and kind of a cool deal. So one of the legends, Puka's not on here, but Puka's hero and one of my heroes too, Tom Nesbitt. Guys, he had a little unwritten rules apparel on at the Red Clay Classic. I got a picture. I'm like, oh my God, that's like the coolest thing I've literally ever seen is, is him wearing a one-to-go show unwritten rules billiam t-shirt so kind of a cool deal and uh kind of speaking of that so so in one thing at ashland you got nesbitt and others wearing one-to-go show apparel and billiam shirts and then you had another guy right in a midwest mod i, I kind of got to give this guy a donkey award um but he decided he would take and put a donkey on his sale panel, I don't know if I sent you guys the pictures or not. Did you see that, Cross? He had a donkey on the sales panel with a picture of Ryan Ahill right in the middle of the donkey's ass, right? Like, here's your <laughs> donkey right here. Don't be, I think it said, don't be a donkey or something like that. I got to be honest with you. I'm like, God dang, this. I'll be honest, it's kind of funny. Hey, we, we do a podcast. We talk a lot of shit. We have a lot of fun. Call people out. Sometimes people don't like it. They get their feelings hurt. He got creative, kind of had a little fun with it. However, all right. If you're gonna do that, there, guy. All right. If you're gonna do that, get on the podium, win the race, do something to be down in victory lane. Stand by that proud and say, oh, "Look at this shit right here." Don't spin out, step on your wiener, right? Don't do that. Like perfectly good Midwest mod, a main. This guy got to go ahead, puck it up for everybody, right? You got to spin out in front of the whole field, cause a caution. So if you're gonna like clown people. Don't spin out and bring out the yellow like a dumbass. Don't be doing that shit. So I thought it was kind of funny, though. I got to gotta admit. Now, late model stuff. Got a little late coming news here from Jeff. Johnny Scott. Johnny Scott stepping away from late models. Got his Longhorns for sale. Could we see Johnny Scott in a return to USMTS Modifieds? Have you guys heard anything of what his plans are moving forward? I have not heard anything, but I mean... Obviously, he was a pretty good modified driver, so it wouldn't be shocking if he did. I think he was better in a mod than he was in a late. So, I mean, that, that could be another name. It'd be interesting to see. And then uh, Spencer Hughes out of a ride. Kind of had a pretty good year for the most part. Not winning races, but he contended, kind of ran good. And sounds like that team's kind of dissolving. And he's he's looking for a ride here in 2024. So the silly season has begun. So... Let's jump into our final segment here. Three bold predictions. Sometimes bold, sometimes not so bold, right? 
brought to you by Mason Aaron's videos. Mason behind the mic this past weekend. Kind of cool to see that. Loves racing, passionate kid. Got to thank him for doing all of our editing. Check out Mason Aaron's videos on YouTube and on Facebook. Off the board this week, Bert, episode 160. Dennis Herb Jr. does not repeat as World of Outlaw late model champion. Pretty fair we can take that one off the board. So that's a yes. Episode 196, well, last week, you said the Luxembourg promoter, well, would not be coming back next year. Well, that you said that'd be announced in the, the following week. It was. You also said two Eastern Wisconsin late models on the podium. Good job there, guy. You went ahead and you jinxed both of them. Congratulations. Um, you said Superman wins a Pittsburgher. Had a shot. Had a shot. I thought maybe he was going to win. When he got the lead on RTJ, I thought he was going to win that deal. But RTJ said, yeah, I'm just playing with you. I'm going to take the lead back and drive away like he did. Um, so yeah, that did not happen. I said... On episode 158, this is like 40 weeks ago, roughly, I said Bobby Pierce would have more wins than B Shep. I think B Shep's only got five, <laughs> and Pierce got like 29, right? So that one is fair to say that's done. That's a yes. I said Jesse Glantz would rebound and win at least five late model features in 2023. I'm fair. I'm going to concede on that one. That's just not going to happen. I said that three of four winners at the Red Clay Classic would be from the great state of Minnesota. Well, we had in the late models, we had Giassi, Hudson, Wisconsin. Modified, we had Wagaman, that's Minnesota. Superstocks, Sabraski, Minnesota. Brandon Jensen, his dumbass went and moved to Wisconsin, right? He's from Minnesota. But he lives in Wisconsin now, so I'm guessing that don't count. So I went two for two. I'm going to get a no on that one. Three of the top five, I'm pretty sure he lives in Ellsworth, Wisconsin. Cross, you should look that up on my race pass. Brandon Jensen, where does he live? Three. I also said three of the top five on Saturday at Williams Grove would be Pennsylvania Posse. Only the winner. Only the winner. So our standings right now. Bert, she's tight. It's tight. It's tight. Bert, you got 46 correct, 69 incorrect, 40% win rate. I have 45 correct, 66 incorrect, 40.5%. She's tight. And Kraus and the viewers, 10 correct, 43 incorrect, 19% there. Kraus, uh, Ellsworth, Wisconsin, is that right? That is correct. Way to go, Brando, going ahead and moving out of Minnesota to cheese land over there. He screwed me out of a point, Dick. Just kidding. <laughs> hell, of a, hell of a run. It was fun. That was a fun race. Probably probably my favorite race of the weekend, watching those two. I raced against both of them and got to know them guys pretty well, so pretty cool. Um, so this, what we're going to do now is we'll, uh, we'll finish up with our bold predictions for the week. We'll make three laps around the track. It's got to be something that either, yes, it happened or did not happen. Not an opinion-based deal. Typically racing, sometimes shows, sometimes sports. No real rules here. Have some fun with it. Try to be bold. So Bert, Kraus, myself, and I got one to sprinkle in there as well from my buddy Jim. Bert, you go All first. right. Well, Jeff always complains to us 
that we're not bold enough in our bold predictions. So, uh, so let's see if these are bold enough this week. All right. Uh, for the Lucas Oil for final race at Eldora, RTJ of the top of the top four points, RTJ will not finish the highest or the second highest or the third highest. He will be the fourth highest driver of the four. <laughs> wow. Wow. Is it is it because he doesn't curve his hat or what like why do you gotta hate on RTJ? All right. Is, is that is that bold enough? That is bold. That is bold. <laughs> RTJ gonna finish fourth out of those four drivers. All right, fair enough. Cross. Uh we're going to the first one. I'm gonna go um Bobby Pierce's sweep in the weekend. He's gonna win Brownstown and Fairbury. He's winning the both. Oh, that's bold. Ooh. That was <laughs> I gotta make up some ground here. I mean, we're at nineteen percent. Baseball playoffs, cross with a bunt, cross with a. <laughs> all right, fair enough. All right. Uh, so yeah, it's a tough task to double, you know, double up. But Pierce has been on and crossing the viewers. They they need some points. <clears throat> so I'm gonna go fall classic. I'm gonna go late models. Pat Doerr has four straight fall classic wins. I believe five overall. Um. It's done. Just like the twin streak is over, door streak is over, Pat Door is not winning this week at Ogilvy. Bert, back to you. Okay. Um, actually, Jeff stole mine, so I I will go with uh, Shane Sabraski will double up at Ogilvy, winning the mod and the super stock feature. Well, you just screwed him. We see how your jinxes work. So <laughs> that's all on Bert right here. All right. Sabraski, Supers, and Mods at Ogilvy. Kraus, you're up. We're going World Outlaw Sprint Cars. Uh, well, I see. Are all the World Outlaw guys going to be at that makeup race on Thursday? I don't, know that, I don't think all of them. Um, I think a few of the top point guys already kind of eclipsed, like, how many shows they can run. So you're – I don't know this for sure, but I don't think you're going to see Gravel, uh, Macedo, Sweet. I think those three, I don't think you're going to see, but I'm not positive on that. Yeah, 60 grand. That's a big purse for a Thursday night, and everybody's going to be out there. I'm interested to see what the car count is. So I'm going right. David Gravel's going to win. Uh, he's going to win the two. He's going to win both Friday and Saturday. I think uh, a couple. 10, 12, or 10 and 20 or something like that. So David Gravel is going to win both of them this weekend. All right. So I'm going to stick with the World of Outlaws here as well. World of Outlaws Sprint Cars. There are three events out there. The first event is the Tuscarora Classic, 60 grand to win, like Jeff said. That's an all-star sprint deal makeup race on Thursday. And then I think it's a Nittany Showdown is Friday, Saturday. So – I'm not going to say posse on this one because I'm going to leave a little wiggle room, but I'm going to say this. So between those three races, there will be more non-World of Outlaw drivers on the podium than World of Outlaw regulars on the podium over them three nights. Bert, last last, right. what do you got? 
Uh, for the World of Outlaw rate feature at Falls, the podium will be comprised of three drivers from Illinois. Pretty good odds. Pretty good odds. Of course, the Reaper Ryan Gustin's going to be on the podium both nights because Carl's put him on the not hot list and he's a bullring specialist. So, <laughs> all right. Well, taking your chances. So, three Illini on the podium at Hashtag Falls. Kraus. I got to do this one now for a uh, World Outlaw Sprint Cars. Uh, Brad Sweet will not win the championship this year. <laughs> Wow. Okay, that, I think that's already been taken, but being that it's this close to the end of the year, and he has a 90-point lead, I believe, with only not many shows left, right? That's pretty bold at this point. That's a whole lot different than predicting it early in the year. This late in the year, that big of a point lead, we'll let that one ride. So my buddy Jim, my old right-hand man, Changa himself, he actually gave me one prediction. <clears throat> Blake Adams is pretty darn impressive this year. It's going to be fun to watch that kid as he progresses um, over the next, I think he's only 14, and I think he's got 11 or 12 feature wins in the Midwest month. Jim said this, Blake Adams will be the 2024 Wissota Midwest Mod National Champion. I can see that happen. <clears throat> and my third and final prediction here is going to go to the Fall Classic. At least three of these drivers will win their A-Main this weekend. James Giassi in the late models. Clayton Wagaman in the modifieds. Dexton Cook in the super stocks. Jason Vandekamp in the Midwest Mods, Keith Tourville in the Street Stocks, Dustin Holtquist, who might go west, that one might screw me, but Dustin Holtquist in the Mod Forest. Giassi, Wagaman, Cook, Vandy, Tourville, Holtquist, Dustin Holtquist. At least three of those drivers win the A-Main Saturday night, championship Saturday night of the Fall Classic. So, guys, we'll end with this. Uh, out of everything that's going on, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to more than anything else here this weekend? Um, for me, I'm, there's nothing that I'm looking forward to more than the other, just other than just watching some racing because uh, we're nearing the end of it for the year, unfortunately. True that, Krause. Yeah, no, not uh, watch a little on TV. Um, home opener for the Alexandria Blizzard um, on Saturday, so we're looking forward to that. We're sitting two and one right now. Had had a big five one win last weekend. Only had one game, so home opener is always special. Um, get to raise some banners this year, so that's kind of cool. Um, getting pumped up for that, but we'll sit in the office and we'll watch some racing, and you know, be interesting to see car counts. Got to watch the weather. Um, weather's going to play a factor this weekend with racing again, a little rain on Friday. Look like it's going to be a little chilly before it warms back up. So, uh, just sit and, uh, sit and watch some stuff and, and hopefully get a big, uh, get a big win on, on Saturday night. I'm interested in the points battle. See if, uh, Brower or Peterson can make some noise and make this thing come down on the wire in the street stocks. And it'll be interesting to see what happens and, and really the, 
probably the only real points battle left in the mod fours. Be interesting to see if anybody goes west in either one of those two classes. And then how can you not be excited about Fairbury? Late models at Fairbury. Um, what is it? The Prairie. Uh, what is it? Uh, False Frenzy, I think, is what it is this Saturday night. So that'll be exciting as well. So, Kraus, good luck at hockey this week. Bert, how, what's the score of the Brewers game right now? Take a peek over there. What do you got? They just lost six to three. They just lost six to three. A little disappointment in your voice. <laughs> Twins finally, after what twenty-two years, right? They got it done. So, as always, I'm Ryan Aho. That's Bert Lehman. That's Jeff Kraus. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show.